Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time. And now whenever and wherever you happen to be on God's green earth, <laughs> that you are able to base your self-worth on a solid bedrock foundation of what God thinks about you. You are ultimately important to God. You are important to this world. And there's a little test to check if I'm telling you the truth. Are you hearing this message? Bingo. That's the test. If you're here, you're living on earth. There's a reason you're needed. And if you're needed, then you could damn well base your self-worth on the fact that God created you and you were needed here. You might not know why you're needed or in what way, what capacity. You don't know what your purpose is, maybe, or maybe you do. But when you base your self-worth on the solid bedrock foundation of what you're doing here, or the fact that you are here, the fact that God needed and wanted you here, needed to create you for whatever reason, then you're going to be golden. You're always going to be knowing, hey, I'm here for a reason and nobody but nobody can say a damn thing about it. God wanted me here. So I'm going to base my self-worth on the fact that I am here. And that's it. Stop basing your self-worth on the opinions of others. Because that's a faulty foundation of sand. You build your house on a foundation of sand. Just ask anybody in Malibu. California, whose house has ever slid down a mountain. (laughs) You don't want to do that. (laughs) You don't want your mountain to suddenly turn to mush during an earthquake or a bad rainstorm and oh well. (laughs) But I paid $2 million for that garage. (laughs) I paid $20 million for that house. You You have to have a solid foundation. And self-worth is that thing that makes you um, know that you are valuable. You're worth every uh, moment that others spend on you. You're worth the money that they pay you to do a job or, you know, a career. 
But it's more than that. I mean, if you base your worth on the fact that you're here and nothing else, then nobody can shake that foundation. Although there be earthquakes out there, they're not in here inside of you at the core of who you are. If you base your self-worth and your value on the fact that God chose you to be here in this very moment, there is nothing more important to know than that. I mean, hopefully it's just it's like three minutes worth of wisdom, but it's, it's really powerful. You know, I was watching, um, over the weekend, I watched maybe three or four movies. I could barely concentrate. I'm going to go over the Ascension symptoms this, from this past weekend in a minute. But, um, I was looking at, uh, I think it was a movie. God's not dead. I think this is where they came. They said some, one of the characters said, um, it's a faulty foundation to base your self-worth on the opinions of others. That's, I think, what the quote was. But I have been saying this for a while. Like, look, if you base um, your uh, feeling good about yourself on what other people believe about you or how they're perceiving you in the moment, then you're going to not know from day to day how you feel about yourself. If your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or best friend, or, you know, no matter what your relationships in this world, like parental friend, romantic relationships, business partner, you know, people in your career, your kids, you know, if you base your value of yourself and your self-esteem and your self-worth on the opinions of other people, then you have a very shaky foundation because maybe those other people, maybe they're hormonal today and they hate everybody. Suddenly you feel your self-esteem plummets, your value of yourself plummets because, you know, they were having a mood, (laughs) you know, it's not a good place to be to imagine that other people have sway and power over how you feel about yourself. It's a faulty foundation. So when you instead think, well, you know, I'm important enough to have been born and I'm important enough to still be here now. God hasn't called me home or the universe or whatever you want to call it. You don't have, I'm not religious, but you don't, you don't have to say God. You could say, you know, the divine or the universe or divine mother, goddess, God, whatever. Allah, Yah, Jahweh. Jahweh, is that even a thing? Is it Jah? Yahweh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, you might call him Bob. You know, maybe you call God Bob instead, you know. <laughs> the, you know, or the great flying spaghetti monster in the sky. <laughs> Cthulhu, whatever. <laughs> whatever you call that thing that is greater than you, whatever created you, whoever created you your higher self, you know, whatever you want to call it. If you base how you feel about yourself in the absolute and true power of P 
pure love. You love yourself. You know, you come from love. There's nothing else in this whole wide world that's more important than love. And you know that you love yourself. You are love. You're pure love. You come from love. You're made from love. And anything in your world that reflects and shows up as less than that is a faulty foundation and it is an illusion. It's not real. (laughs) You know what I, I grew up with kind of, um, a very down to earth kind of family and they just spoke their mind and they didn't literally, they would tell you, we don't give a shit what you think about us. (laughs) And that's literally the way that they talked I grew up around all my aunts and uncles, even my grandparents, not my, not the Fox family, but the Ziegler family, my father, my adopted father's family, they were always like, who gives a shit? (laughs) They were always like, so what, you know, all my aunts and uncles were very sassy. I used to tell people I come from a long line of smart asses and I'm a smart ass too. Yeah. (laughs) That's just the people that raised me. That was just how they, you know, raised me just to be that way. Like who gives a shit with other people thing. And then my aunt Mary, I could always see her face kind of screw up, turn a little bit red and she'd go, who gives a shit, Elena? You know, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. So what? Everyone's got an ass. <laughs> my, my aunt would always say that. My, you know, she, I'm sure if I had a conversation with her today, you know, she'd probably say the same thing. It just, everyone's got one. It doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. It's just, it is what it is, you know. So if you are think, if you think that opinions are like assholes, then what do you care what a, what a flapping, blapping asshole says about you? It doesn't matter whether it's a good one or a bad one. It doesn't matter, you know? So now T. Har Becker, when I saw him in Colorado, and I talked about this a couple times in the past three years, uh, he did say, if you base your opinion on the way people are feeling about you right now, and their moods are variable and change all the time, then you're going to just be all over the place. They love you. You feel great about yourself. They hate you. You feel like shit. Like why? (laughs) It doesn't, you know, why, why even bother, um, you know, concerning yourself with opinions of others. And, and Hara Becker did also say your opinion about yourself is the only one that matters, you know? And I took it far further saying baby, basically baby, <laughs> God's opinion to me is the only one that matters. You know, I, I based my opinion of myself on God placing me here. And that's enough for me to know that I'm valuable and worthwhile enough to be on earth at this moment. You know, but I base my stuff on very simple things. I base who I am at my core on very simple things now. Took me freaking decades to learn this shit, just to be honest. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I told my son that I made the decision when I was in about, maybe it was about six years ago, actually, 
I was in Detroit with my kid and I said, you know, I've, I've, I've made up my decision. I made up my mind about something. And he said, what? And I said, well, I'm going to base my happiness on the color green. <laughs> and he's like, are you still on your medicine? I like, I was in physical therapy. I was, I just come out of physical therapy and I was waiting for the, um, the, uh, van that was part of my, um, health insurance at the time that I had Obamacare. Thank you God for Obamacare at that time. And I was waiting for them to, you know, they gave me rides to and from my, from home to uh, my physical therapy appointment after I broke my leg and I was in recovery for, Oh God, like months after I got the cast off. And, um, he was just like, are you still on your medicine? I'm like, no. And he's like, what do you, what do you mean you're going to base your happiness on the color green? And I'm like, well, if I base my happiness on the happiness of my children, I know you guys are moody and things change. Sometimes you're cranky or sick or sad. And if I based my happiness on how you feel, then I'm not going to feel good most of the time or half the time, maybe. And then when you feel really good, I'll feel good. But you know, why take a chance of having a bad day? (laughs) I go, but I decided, you know, first of all, my eyes are green. And I look in the mirror every single day. So I'm always going to see the color green. If I base my happiness on something really simple, it has nothing to do with humans has nothing to do with anybody else. You know, something simple like that. Base your happiness on something easy, like the color green. You see it everywhere. It is the most prolific color in this world. Provided you're not color blind and, you know, green, brown, and red all look the same. (laughs) I mean, that's okay. Base it on that blob of color. I don't know. If you base your happiness in something super, super simple like that, then, and you said it, I said it in my mind, my subconscious mind, every time I see green, I'm, I'm happy. You know, of course, then I went out and bought a bunch of green stuff. I have green stuff all over my house. <laughs> right now I'm looking at a piece of paper from a little pad I bought that was green. I've got um, my computer open and there's some green on the background and the screen. I could just look out the window at any number of blades of grass, um, trees, you know, it's like green is everywhere, you know, but if I base my happiness on whether or not I'm loved romantically, dude, I've been shit out of luck for four or five years. (laughs) If I based it on you know, conversations with my mother, she died. So now I would never be happy again. You know, if I based my happiness on my career, well, it's, uh, going, I'm not getting paid for it. It, it, So I would be like, well, shit out of luck there too. If I based it on my children being in my home, they're not, they're grown up, that's gone. So I had to base my happiness on the simplest possible things in life. I had a bagel today. That was pretty happy. It was a good bagel. It was sourdough. It was high protein. It was vegan. That was pretty cool. You know, I ate my eggs the way that my grandpa from Arkansas ate his eggs. 
made me think about my grandpa, made me happy, you know, little things like that, little tiny things, you know, and if you base your happiness on the smallest, most simple things, like I was able to get up today, I had coffee today, you know, whatever little tiny simple things, and then you have a series of simple things that make you happy, then you're going to be in general, a more happy person. You know, and if you base your opinions on God's opinion of you, you know, your opinion of yourself. So now you're a happy person with a good opinion of yourself. (laughs) It doesn't matter what other people think. Someone else gets mad at you. It's like, wow, maybe I hurt you. Did I, did I hurt you? And you don't have to even base your opinion of yourself on that. Like, okay, I'm sorry. I hurt you. I'm sorry that you felt hurt by my actions, (laughs) you know? You know, I'm, let me, let me do something to uh, rectify that, you know? So anyway, that's my two cents worth right now. Um, I wrote down a series of, uh, things I have noticed, uh, ascension symptom wise. This has been a rough weekend. Uh, happy Monday to those of you who listen today on Monday or happy Tuesday for those of you listening to me the next day. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Ascension symptoms. I have been overwhelmed. And it, what's weird is I've been feeling uh, like mentally overwhelmed, but emotionally underwhelmed. <laughs> I've been feeling for about two or three days, almost like if cocaine was an energy and it rained down on me. And I don't know if you've never done this drug. It's, it's something that in the moment, it makes you feel elated. It makes you feel so happy, so full of possibility. You feel amazing. You can do anything. And at the same time, your body feels zero pain, zero inflammation. You know, like I've had days when I would like when I was in Colombia and um, when I first tried this drug, which Oh my God, too bad. There's so many side effects that ends up killing you. It gives you a heart attack if you, you know, you do it too much. So it's one of those drugs that I do not recommend, but my experience of it was, um, the first time was I could barely walk. I could barely move. I was feeling really crappy. And I went to this nightclub with my friend and he said, um, you want some weed? I'm all, yeah. So he lit up a joint and we started smoking um, there you could smoke on private property. You could do any drug on private property and the cops could walk in and watch you and there's nothing they can do about it. They just see you, but they can't do anything about it. It's illegal for them to arrest you for doing something private behind closed doors. Right? So, um, you know, so, uh, so being in a club there was way different than anything I ever experienced in my life. And, um, so he's just like, sure, you know, you want some weed? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we did some weed and we just sat there for a while. And he's like, how are you feeling? I'm like, I, I feel kind of, I'm in a lot of pain, man. The weed is helping a little bit, you know, I'm starting to feel better. And he, and he said, well, just do a bump. And he's like, just try it just a little bit. I'm like, oh man, it was the second time I'd ever done it. It was the first, uh, like second time that month, but that was the first month in my life I'd ever done anything like that. So I'm like, all right, you know what? This is a party atmosphere and I want to feel like party. So I I did it. And all of a sudden my whole body felt like, Oh, 
<laughs> I felt like a superhero in a cartoon where all the lights flashing from every which direction and suddenly the person feels amazing like they somehow downloaded this massive energy and that's how I felt and I went out and I got on the dance floor and I danced and danced and danced now I mean before this happened I could barely move it's like god my body was stiff and I felt like crap <laughs> I did that and I was like yeah and I danced for like four hours straight I'm like wow it's too bad that this wasn't just like a vitamin or something I could get over the counter everywhere on earth you know <laughs> it's too bad that it's something that can actually harm you in the long run but I did all this uh, healing. I was healing the city. I was just imagining that everybody felt love, you know, and it was really incredible. But then it, it, what the opposite end of that is when you come down and the next day you wake up and it, 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 it depletes, um, I want to say the dopamine in your, in your brain, which is, you know, but all at once. So you're like, yeah. And then it's over and you're like the next day you can't even smile I mean, you just kind of uh, uh, you know, you're back to pain. You feel pain again. And now that you've danced for four hours or eight hours or all night, now you're, you feel the pain of that on top of the other pain you already had before. So it's not a recommended drug. It's not, it's in the long run, it's not worth it. But, <laughs> but what I noticed about it is it, it numbed me emotionally and I just could not feel love like at all. <laughs> like I felt zero zip zilch, not a nothing. Like when people try to tell me something that would make me normally feel like overwhelmed or empathic, <laughs> where I feel their feelings and I'd cry because they're crying. Nothing. I felt zero, which on one hand, I kind of didn't mind being an empath. I was nice to have a break. But at the same time, when my children would ask me something, I was just like, huh, I didn't feel anything for them. It was, and that scared the shit out of me. And, um, and that's the energy of that drug. It's like, it's really excellent. Followed by you're just a zombie person. Now you have no heart. You have no feeling you're back to pain plus, plus, plus. You know, and I've only ever done that drug maybe a handful of times, maybe less than 10 times in my life. And only in the past six years since I got to South America, <laughs> like Mike's boyfriend used to say, Hey, you're in Peru now, you know, <laughs> and he and I, I actually, we never did do it together. We thought about it and then we never did it. We're like, yeah, we don't need it. You know, he always had it on hand in case he needed it because he was a DJ and he had to be up all night, some nights and it keeps you up. I prefer the coca, just chewing on a, a coca leaf because that doesn't do the emotional crap. It doesn't screw with your mind so much. It, energe- it energizes you and it helps your digestion and it's actually very good for you um, in its natural form. You know, and, and everyone has had it in Coca-Cola, you know. That's just the natural form, right? There's not, it's a very bitter uh, plant, very, very bitter. But there's an energy to it when they make it into the drug, right? And that energy of that is how I felt all weekend, but the after effects. And all weekend, I was just like, huh, I don't really care about anything anymore. Huh. Interesting. 
Like, and I'm not apathetic or I'm not feeling depressed. Like, I don't care about anything anymore. Because when you're crying like that and you're depressed, you damn well do care. That's why you're crying and sad and depressed. You know, most people that are suicidal and they go, I don't care about anything anymore. And they cry. I don't know. I, I'm laughing at myself because I did that when I was suicidal. When I was very young, I was, I was so like, um, <laughs> Like I would say I didn't care, but I cared very deeply. And you know, I was super unhappy back then because I based my foundation on the opinions of other people. And uh, the day that I actually tried to kill myself, I called a friend of mine and she told me I was being dramatic and I needed to stop. And she'll talk to me later. And I said, I really, really need you right now. I need to talk to you. I never talked to her like that. Normally we're just talking about funny stuff and what kept it light. And it was so heavy, the stuff I was saying to her that she was just like, oh, you're being dramatic and hung up on me. Called my other friend. He didn't answer his phone. I found out later he had lost his phone. He was like, oh, he's like, baby girl, I would have come and got you in two seconds if I knew what you're going through. And he had just lost his phone and, and he had to go buy a new one. And my mom wanted to watch Wheel of Fortune <laughs> instead of talk to me. And I kept trying to tell her how important it is and how I felt really bad and I really needed to talk to her. And I was basing my um, foundation on the opinions of others, basically. You know, and I was told by a doctor I was dying. And I was like, I'm going to go out of my own way. I'm not going to sit around and wait for it to happen. You know, I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. I'd been sick for six weeks. It wasn't like it was just because I was emotional. It was more way deep. I was told I was going to die of this horrible disease, which thank you, God, I've recovered completely and fully from. But back then I was just like, oh, you know, and I remember thinking no one really loves me. No one cares. No one puts things above or no one puts me above all the other things in their life, even if it's will a fucking fortune. Right. And obviously my mom did feel that way about me, but that was my perception in that horrible, dark moment. You know, so I did care, right? But over this past weekend, the energy I had was like, no, I don't, I don't feel anything. Well, I'm like, I usually feel deep and strong and abide in love for my twin flame. And I know I do feel that intellectually. I know it, but I felt zero. My heart chakra was just like, huh? I felt numb. I felt like the energy of cocaine rained down on the whole world. I don't know how to explain it other than that. Like, you know, like I didn't do any drugs. I haven't done drugs in a freaking long time. I mean, I had a little bit of Coca-Cola today. I had coffee today. I had sugar in my coffee. I ate a teeny, they have the tiniest candy bars here. They're like a third the size of a fun size candy bar. They're itty bitty. <laughs> And, but they're called jet candy bars. And I love these little things. I had one today because when you open it up, there's like a picture of something of the natural world from here in Ecuador. And then you turn it over and then has scientific facts on that thing. And I'm like, God, that's like worth the 25 cents, man. These teeny tiny candy bars. They're freaking awesome. And they're very, the chocolate itself tastes good. You know, Ecuadorian chocolate, baby. I mean, I moved we moved to the country where chocolate grows. <laughs> it's a magical land down here <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. 
but that energy of like just nothing like I feel nothing I feel uh, <laughs> like zombified like a zombie inside like just bleh. and um you know like I kissed my cat told her I loved her but I didn't feel it I'm like I'm just going through the motions with my cat right now <laughs> it was such a weird feeling and the, the whole, the cocaine thing is the only way I could think of it. It's very weird, very weird. But so feeling like mentally overwhelmed and emotionally underwhelmed, feeling tired. These are all ascension symptoms I've noticed being extremely hard to concentrate or focus on anything at all. Somebody had paid me for a reading and asked when I was going to get done. I couldn't even tell her. And I know you're going to listen to this. So I'm sorry, I couldn't answer you because I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I feel overwhelmed. It's hard for me to concentrate on anything. I feel very weird mentally, uh, foggy, just fogginess, right? And detoxing, my body just started detoxing itself randomly. You know, it's not like I'm sitting here on a detox juice fast or something. It's just, you know... And I've been reading a lot of places um, on the internet where people are going through um, similar things like intestinal distress, having a lot of gas, having bloating, having um, problems with digestion. A friend of mine is in the hospital right now, you guys, because I guess in her sleep, food as well as um, bile was aspirating into her lungs and she was like coughing up this rubbery stuff from her lungs well it was food but it had uh, gotten um, infected and they saw a mass in her lung it looks like cancer but now they're thinking it's food and it's been accumulating that is the damnedest thing and she has covid she tests positive for covid and she's, it's like not what I've ever heard of as being part of COVID, but I wanted to pass this weird one on along to you before I get through the rest of the symptoms here. It's because, um, I asked God and God's like, if she had only taken apple cider vinegar, which I've been telling you guys for years, seriously, like one to two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar and half a glass of water, chug that fucker down hold your breath because it tastes gross and immediately follow it up with another half glass of water rinse your teeth really really well don't brush them just rinse them with water and wait another half hour before you brush them uh, because it will strip the enamel off your teeth but um, if you do that every day when you wake up or when you go to bed or after you eat it helps you digest your food. It keeps the valve to your stomach closed. So the bile and the food and all that stuff cannot go back up. You don't get acid reflux if you do apple cider vinegar every single day. Now I've been telling her this for years too. And now she's going through this. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to do it. And I told you so when she's in the hospital, but it's like, oh my God, freaking listen to me. Ah, it's so frustrating. You know, empaths and Virgos. <laughs> if you're one of the two or both, you know what I mean? We want to save and rescue and help people. But they have to save and want to rescue themselves. So it's not always going to work. Not the way we want it. 
but, uh, so anyways, so yeah, so any, a bunch of stuff regarding digestion and lung situation and my throat has been really swollen. I don't know if that's what that is, but if it's happening to you guys also, then it's an ascension symptom, right? Really swollen throat, uh, sinus issues, um, the mental fogginess I already mentioned. Now, this is another weird thing I've noticed, uh, during, we're in the middle of a solar wind stream right now. And I've been going through hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. So in the middle of the night, I woke up and I was burning up, took all the covers off in a matter of seconds. I was freezing, put it back on. And it was just like that hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold for hours. It was so annoying. I think I ended up sleeping with half my body under the covers and half my body outside the covers because it was like the only way I could sleep. <laughs> and then I kept doing that whole sleep awake, sleep awake. I'm wide awake. Can't sleep at all. Oh my God. I'm so overwhelmingly tired and sleepy. I got to go back to sleep. And then wide awake. Can't sleep at all. <laughs> have tons of energy. Get up and brush my teeth and get dressed. And oh, I'm so tired. I go back to sleep again. I mean, for days, it's been like this hot, cold, hot, cold, sleep, awake, sleep, awake. That's just how it's been. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, you have insomnia or you just have to sleep, 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 like for hours. Like one night this weekend, I slept 16 hours. One night I slept six, you know, it evens out, you know, but still, and I think one, and then I think on Friday, I think it was like eight hours. And that's just how it's been. Another thing that, uh, the cosmic trader or cosmic trader, <laughs> ah, cosmic threader, sorry, Tim and I discussed, he's like, this sounds really weird. But he's like, have you been peeing like a racehorse? I'm like, yeah, actually I was the one that said it to him. And he's like, that's what I've been thinking to myself. Like, damn, suddenly out of nowhere, I'm peeing like a racehorse. It's like, we're detoxing through, um, a couple different means suddenly out of nowhere. I had body odor out of nowhere. I don't ever really have body odor at all. Like, you know, like armpit odor. And, um, this morning I did, I was like, that's weird. I just normally don't have any issue at all like that. And I'm like, okay. And through my tongue, like having, um, like I'm just, my body's just automatically detoxing without even trying. (laughs) So all the different ways that your body can detox, it might be detoxing right now. I've been drinking a lot more water, but peeing like a racehorse out of nowhere, even when you didn't have extra coffee, you didn't take a diuretic. It's just all of a sudden, you know, you think you're just going to go to the bathroom normally. And, and not only are you paying extra amount, you know, for extra long time, but also more often. Like he was, he told me it's like super personal, but Tim did tell me, he's like, I've been peeing every 55 minutes for three days. What the fuck? (laughs) 55 minutes. He was like, start timing it. He's like, why am I like less than an hour every freaking 55 minutes on the nose. And it's like, he hadn't peed all day. Like it's just in the end, like you drink a bunch of water, like, and that's how it's always been for two or three days. And that's how it's been for me as well. That's a a weird ascension symptom. Okay. Severe memory issues. I've been having really bad memory issues. Um, and I've been having memory issues for a while and I started taking ginkgo biloba and, um, 
So I don't know if it's just extreme stress or what, but this past few days, like I woke up this morning and I was thinking about the screenplay that I spent a couple years of my life writing. I can't remember the fucking name of it. I can't remember any of the characters' names except for one, but not the main character. I couldn't remember anything. I could barely remember the story. This is a story that I thought about for 20 fucking years before I started the screenplay. So this is something that has been prominent in my life, prominent on my mind, always in the background of my mind while I'm doing every other thing in my life. This story, this particular script. And I woke up this morning, I'm like, what was the name of that script again? What was it about again? What, like, who is the main character again? Like, I literally felt, I, I feel like I went to sleep and I went off and did something else for 30, 40, 50, 60 years and then came back and I'm like, huh, what was the name of that again? I mean, I don't, I feel like I'm a, like another hundred years older or something after this weekend. Although I look really young again. <laughs> I mean, these uh, things are getting weirder and weirder. Okay. Um, intense dreams, intense dreams. That's self-explanatory, right? Um, feeling emotionally lost, mentally lost, and also feeling like there's weird or strange energy all around us. Even, uh, and I did Wednesday morning coffee for this week. I think it'll be put out this week on Wednesday. Um, that's a podcast, uh, with, uh, the cosmic threader, um, otherwise known as Tim. And he was saying this, he was just feeling this weird and strange energy, like for the past week, especially over the weekend, it was very weird. And I've had the energy and the feeling of not knowing what to do. Can't catch a break. Can't catch any energy. Nothing is giving me energy, not eating high quality food, not sleeping, not even doing caffeine or sugar. Um, normally eating, you know, something like high quality would give me energy enough, but I found out this is very weird. My energy is coming now from very unusual sources, such as the sun itself, wind and electrical storms. That's how I'm getting my energy. What the hell? (laughs) I I had zero energy. I could barely talk. I could barely move today. And all of a sudden it started thunder and lightning outside. And I went outside and stood in the rain and I just felt like I was eating. I felt like that's what's nourishing me now. Earlier today, I was in the sun in the morning. I stood in the sun that nourished me. It's like, food's doing nothing for me. Sleep, caffeine, sugar, Things that would give me even a quick little rush before. None of that. It's weird. And the only thing that makes me feel alive (laughs) is actually energetic sources from the sky. The wind, the rain, the sun, lightning. Even the sound of the thunder was rumbling through my body and exciting the cells in my body. And all of a sudden I felt like I ate a really good, healthy meal. I I can't explain it other than the way I just did. I know it's weird, but, um, unexplained aches and pains throughout the body, feeling bruised for a couple weeks ago. I had a, a minor bruise and it ended up being, it grew on my leg. It was like bigger than a half dollar and it was almost black. 
And I was like, I didn't think I hit myself that hard, but it was like a dark, nasty, ugly bruise. And it hung around on my leg for over a week. And then all of a sudden it seemed in like, I thought I had another week or two of healing and all of a sudden it just boom within two days was gone. So it came on suddenly and then left suddenly and it healed itself really quickly. That was very weird. I don't know if it's an ascension symptom for everybody, but something happened to me. Um, aches in the body, pain, muscle aches and stiffness, random organ pains too. Like randomly you just be walking along and all of a sudden, Oh, my liver hurts like so. Oh yeah. So it's gone now. It's fine. <laughs> like that. Just like that. You know, walking around and Oh, my stomach hurt. Oh no, my stomach's fine. Oh, my spleen. No, my spleen's good. It like, by the time you say the sentence, it's gone. It's like, well, that was weird. Uh, lung, um, congestion pains a little bit in the heart heart palpitations and heart skipping beats. And also I have had missing time. A few hours here, a few hours there. Uh, I have been according to my higher self. I, I felt like I was abducted and I asked, I've been abducted twice in the past two days, probably three times in the past three days. Yeah. I'm getting confirmation of that four times in fast four days. No. Okay. <laughs> Three days in a row, I was abducted. I don't know what happened or by who, what happened, where was I? Fuck, I don't know. That might be why I was feeling so strange um, mentally. I always feel a little bit odd after that. But um, also feeling like I was with my um, twin flame physically, which was very, very weird. Um, like smelling his cologne on me again, like, like we were embracing each other or something. I haven't worn cologne. I've, I've been living alone. Don't even open the door except I ordered a pizza today. I had pizza first time in six months. I had pizza. So <laughs> I bought an extra giant one. I'm going to freeze it. And then I have pizza in my freezer just in case I need pizza in the next couple months, I guess. <laughs> My cat, I got a, I got a, a pizza with pineapple on it and she loves pizza. Apparently, apparently she's Italian, <laughs> but she's also Ecuadorian. So she ate the pineapples, you know, cause they grow here. <laughs> but, um, another weird thing, uh, it's mercury retrograde. And during this mercury retrograde so far, what I have noticed is that the wagons are circling back around. I mean, all the men who had shown an interest in me in the past, you know, God, I don't even know, 10 years, <laughs> not all of them, but a lot of them, not the ones that I actually had a relationship with, but people that wanted to, and then it didn't happen, you know, for whatever reason, like I wasn't interested or I was with somebody else at the time or whatever, or people who always hoped to go out with me they all started contacting me again, randomly. This one guy who I have zero anything with at all, other than my um, ex wanted to start a restaurant with him for about five minutes, you know. It's the only connection I have with this guy whatsoever. And he says, I'm living in Spain and started a pornography website and I want you to watch me in this porno and see how I do or if it turns you on or what you think about it. Cause I'm trying to make money with this. And I'm like, 
who the fuck do you think I am, dude? Send this to somebody who actually watches porn. Send this to somebody who's actually sexually active or who's actually interested in you. Like, what? What the hell? Like, weird shit. Like, suddenly the whole world is so horny. (laughs) Everything is so sexual. On Friday morning, I woke up and I felt everybody's sexuality. Divine masculine, divine feminine, like tons of sexuality in this world. And I suddenly was tapped into it. I was like, what the hell? And so this whole weekend has been people writing me, you know, I want to be your boyfriend. I want to be, you know, sexual with you. My ex-boyfriend from Peru is like, I want to come and stay two weeks with you so we can have sex. Like, like a married couple. That's what he said. I'm just like, what, what, like I'm living my life totally on my own in my house, not reaching out to any of these people, you know, and I'm getting all these random and this guy who's been asking me for sex for two years, finally writes me and says, I just want to marry you and be your husband. You know, I think we're going to be compatible. And I'm like, I don't even know you in person. Do you like take me on a first date before asking me to marry you? Like, So every possibility, every gambit of sexual anything from pornography to marriage (laughs) and everything in between, I want to go on a date with you. I want you to be my girlfriend. I want, and I'm not even, I'm like shocked and confused by it. I'm not like even flattered so much by it. I just feel like I'm somebody who people know or want to know. I don't know. But it's, it's, it's weird. It's, I am sure a lot of you are kind of going through similar situations, whether they're twin flames or twin flakes or anything in between. (laughs) My twin flame has yet to contact me, which is upsetting because he's the only person that I would say yes to on that level. And even sex. No, not until I know you, dude. I'm sure he's the same as me because he's my twin. But there's been a lot of weird stuff about that. Like, why are we even, why is this happening? But I think it's the wagon circling back around, as my friend Amber used to always say, about the exes always coming back around. They come back, she says they come back and they sniff around like a wild dog. (laughs) And it's so true. It's so true. And I remember the first time somebody was interested in me and then we broke up and then she said, don't worry, honey, the wagon's always going to come back around. They always circle back around. And she was a lot older than me. And she's like, you know, in my lifetime, I've seen it again and again and again. Guys who said they would never talk to me again, ask me out a couple years later, every time, you know, If people get curious about each other and they want to judge how well they've grown versus how well you've grown and they don't tell you, you know, but that's the secret. I I think that's part of it. (laughs) You find out why you're better than them now, or maybe in what ways you need to improve yourself now. (laughs) Those whole but I mean every possible thing and I'm like 
I, I mean, I'm not terrible looking, but I mean, I'm not a sexy, hotsy totsy 22 year old ready to go baby. Like, I'm 52 years old. Like, and, and I mean, these guys are 25, 30, you know, even a guy who's in his 60s, he stopped writing me, but he was for a minute interested in me. But I just, this past two, three days, that it's been a big, huge sexual energy in the world. I don't know if you guys are feeling it, but it's like, what? <laughs> it's almost like we're, I don't know if it's just interested in sex or opening up and blossoming into a new level of understanding and acceptance of our sexuality and sensuality. It might be that. It might be, it just might be that. I don't know, but I'm just like, who do you think I am? Pornography. What? Don't send me your porno site. No. I told my son about it. Cause he knows this guy. And he's like, what the fuck? He's like, that guy's not even written you in like what? Three, four years. You haven't seen him in over four years. I'm like, yeah, four and a half years ago. I met him. So I'm like, no, this is weird. This is just plain weird. I'm like, he was a chef when I talked to him (laughs) and that's what he's doing for money in Spain. Wow. That's, that's kind of crazy. Oh my God. It was so crazy. Men who had, who had violated me and they didn't know they had violated me. I guess that they don't even have a consciousness to know what they did to me. One person who had raped me contacted me and said, I miss you. Uh, you know, all the fun times we used to have. And I started panicking. I'm like, I thought I was answering the phone to somebody else. He has the same name as someone else. I, I was just like, uh, 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 I didn't even know what to do. I was like, do I confront my rapist right now? What do I do? I ended up just deleting him and blocking him immediately after the call. But Holy shit. Like even that, like, and he had zero consciousness of what he put me through and like for years, like what he put me through when he was my friend. And then he violently raped me out of nowhere and then acted like nothing happened the next day. And even now, like years later, acted like nothing happened. Like every possible sexual scenario, (laughs) every possible, everything People have contacted me in all of these different scenarios in the past two weeks, but mostly in the past three, four days. The only one out of all of them I consider is somewhat sincere is my narcissistic ex who really probably just misses having sex with me. (laughs) You know, out of all the people who've ever actually seen me naked or actually done anything or actually had a relationship or any kind of love at all with me, he would be the only one that's contacted me in out of a deep sincerity of, I want to connect with you on that way. You know, and I've asked him, do you love me? And he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, all right. I didn't say, come on down, but I mean, or up, you know, come on up to Ecuador. He won't anyway. He just, every now and again, I hear from him and he tosses the idea around. Let's live like married people. He says, that's his secret code word for, I want to, Bam, 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 for a couple of weeks with you. <laughs> so he gets back to reality and has to go to work again. 
you know, it's like, I got a vacation. Let's bam, 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 bam. Be my wife <laughs> for a week. <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing is weird. I, I don't know if you guys are experiencing these kinds of strangenesses, but that I think is, it's either Mercury retrograde or it is absolutely, um, it could just be, it just, it could be Ascension symptoms. I heard that the uh, divine masculines are feeling lonely and rejected by the divine feminines suddenly. And with that numbing of the heart energy that I felt just like, eh, eh, you know, um, that possible, that might be why the sexual stuff is coming up. It's a way, I mean, and I have heard from several different men over the years, it said that men have sex and then feel love and women feel love in order to have sex. So if there's any truth to that, maybe that's why men are trying to connect back with me through sexual means because they want to find that love again or they want to find love in their life in general. You know, it's like, well, the right guy didn't contact me yet, so I'm still holding out. Anyway, let's get over to space weather. Wow. You know, these northern lights, these aurora borealises, are got, they've gotten wild. This one looks like either the phoenix or an eagle energy again. Last week was uh, like a butterfly-dragonfly combination. And this one's more of a red and green. And this is, it feels like, I'm looking at this and I feel like the first and fourth chakra and then there's this golden white energy light of just pure, I mean, it looks like the sun, but it's nighttime. So, wow, this is crazy. So, it, spaceweather.com, please go check this out. I'm going to try to put it up on my Instagram as well. The current solar wind speed is 416.6 kilometers per second. Yes, indeed, guys, we are in the middle of a solar wind stream right now. We've been there for two days. In fact, two days ago, uh, the... The Schumann resonance in Italy was 400 hertz frequency. We have zero sunspots right now. Uh, There was a G-class storm sparked all the way from Wisconsin to New Zealand. Like, literally, the magnetic field was absolutely lit the fuck up. And that might be why... I've been feeling so emotionally wrecked <laughs> or weird or just non-existent emotions. What emotions? <laughs> would you give up for, you know, Elaine, would you give up for Lent this year? Oh, my emotions. <laughs> I feel nothing now. <sighs> As an empath, that's kind of a good thing. Some once in a great while. The neutron counts today are high, but they've gone down by 0.3%. Not as much cosmic radiation as we normally are used to receiving. We're in the middle of a solar wind stream right now. And according to the NASA's all-sky cameras and all-sky fireball network, there were only six fireballs over the United States. So not a whole lot to write home about there. As far as Italy is concerned, the Schumann resonance did come down (laughs) since the massive 400 hertz frequency this weekend. It's down to 59 hertz frequency. Um, right now and so let's get on over to heartmath.org before we hop on into this book 
This is Monday, and we're going to be continuing our read of the life and teaching of the Masters of the Far East. So, okay, uh, something major happened over the weekend. I'm trying to see what is the highest number here. In South Africa, in Hulului, on Friday the 5th at 11 a.m., they got up to 630 hertz frequency. So that's Friday. So the Schumann resonance has gone really crazy and gone nuts. Now it's come back down. Okay, so let's see if I could get this on over to the right hour here. Um, there we go. So Saturday, so day and a half ago, this is what was going on on, on Saturday. California was at 46 hertz frequency. Um, Hafuf Saudi Arabia was at 93 hertz frequency and at 91 hertz frequency is Lithuania and coming in at 52 hertz frequency is Alberta, Canada and uh, Northland, New Zealand was at 55 hertz frequency and last but not least, Hulului, South Africa has come way down from 630 down to 265 hertz frequency, which is still pretty wild. I think that's why we've been feeling so weird, you know? Um, and I've read, I've seen people's readings. I should say, I, I didn't read them. I just saw readings and I listened to several people over the past several days. And, and even this morning, and they're saying that the divine masculines are feeling emotionally lost and distraught when the divine feminines, we have emotionally withdrawn so maybe this emotional withdrawal or the feeling of having zero emotions at all whatsoever might just be in the collective divine feminine based on all the energy stuff that's going on, you know, being hit by solar winds, being, you know, hit with the, the Schumann resonance, just being freaking out of control. And then we're just feeling like lost and disconnected, you know, but that's okay because we felt the same about the divine masculines, you know, and again, this has nothing to do with physical body gender. This is, you know, you can be in a female body, but with a divine masculine energy to, you you know, so this is what we as divine feminines have been going through for a while, (laughs) feeling unloved, unwanted, un, you know, ignored, wholly ignored, um, unable to connect with our divine masculines. And now they're feeling the same thing about us. Like where, where the hell are we? They finally opened up to the connection. They're finally opening up. They're ready. They're, they've, they've just gone through all this trauma, healing and wound, core wound, childhood issues, healing, and they're getting ready. They're on their way to like, oh, you know, yeah, I mean, the new moon is coming on Thursday and we're smack dab in the middle Mercury retrograde and they're getting ready to contact us. And all of a sudden, they don't feel us like what the hell where'd they go are they ignoring us well, no we're not ignoring you we just can't feel anything we've been blasted by you know the cocaine energy from the sun <laughs> i don't know how to explain it other than that i just feel like i've been bombarded by this energy of huh, there's no emotional body anymore <laughs> emotions what emotions <laughs> they don't exist I don't know why, but I think we're going to get it back soon. I just think we've been disconnected from some parts of ourself because of what's going on with the uh, Schumann resonance and the 
cosmic radiation. I mean, the solar wind has been powerful, but weird. Very, very weird. Anyway, uh, I'm going to take a quick break, guys. You can listen to this tiny little music interlude, and then we'll get into the book right after this. Like, seriously, just to talk quickly about this dating thing. The last date I went on was I met my, he's now my good friend, but we met through just a social, like a fun hangout kind of website called Tagged. It's not necessarily about dating. It's just, you know, meeting like-minded people. Most people I meet on there are just really weird, like I've never wanted to meet him in person, but this one person, Nikolai, he became my friend and I was shocked to you meeting a, a high quality person who's interested in spirituality. And we wanted to talk about extraterrestrials and UFOs and the Pleiadians and all kinds of cool stuff. <coughs> and, um, you know, he's one of us. <laughs> so I, after that experience, and then he moved away for work, moved to the coast. So we couldn't really actually start dating, which was sad because he's also Muslim. And I thought, well, you know, Hey, if my twin flame doesn't come around, you know, there's always that possibility, but then he moved. And so I found this app. Um, actually this might've been before even this might've been a couple years ago. It's very possible. It's like maybe even before I met him, I think it was actually, it was like maybe even in 2019 in the, in the early part of the year, And I was feeling kind of bored and lonely. And I thought maybe there's a spiritual app to date men that are, you know, spiritual. So I found this place, um, online and I downloaded the app for it and it was, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it, right? This very second. And they bragged, oh, there's thousands of people on the app in every country, you know, all these spiritual people. I download the app. There's like four people. (laughs) Uh, There used to be six, but two moved back to the States. So in the whole country of Ecuador, there's only four like-minded people on this dating app for spiritual people. (laughs) And out of the four people, one person I think was gay. One person was married. And then there were just two other men that looked relatively interesting, I suppose. One, I think, speaks Spanish. One is English and Spanish. I'm like, okay, great. I'll, I'll just contact them both. They looked very nice, cool people, whatever. It's been over two years, guys. And today, like an hour ago, one of the guys that I liked finally liked me back. Two freaking years later. Two years. <laughs> That's what I mean by like all these random contacts, like people I didn't talk to for three, four years, in one case, six years. And then they call call me back or contact me. Like, Hey, what's going on? Hey babe, what's shaking type of thing. And I'm like, how are you going to contact me after two years, three years, six years? 
and act like no time has passed and everything is hunky-dory, everything's fine. In the meantime, hey, I started channeling extraterrestrials. <laughs> I have my own spiritual show. I'm celibate and I'm waiting for my twin flame and won't be celibate after we meet, but <laughs> you know, it's like I live in Ecuador. I have a whole different life. Seriously, somebody call, contacted me from back in Detroit. Uh, you know, I was last in Detroit in January 2016. That's what I mean when I said, like, like the whole world just suddenly feels very sexual and wanting to connect with everybody. Everyone wants to connect with everybody else, and the wagons are circling back around, and I don't know if it's... I mean, we've had three... Mercury retrogrades every fucking year. So why didn't they all contact me during the last Mercury retrograde? Right? That's what I'm saying. There's something really strange and unique about what's going on this week astrologically or something. I'm just like, wow. It's just, it's like, as, as my, my friend says, my friend, she used to say, well, (laughs) Looks like they're coming out of the woodworks, you know? <laughs> Is it just that I'm shining so bright? I'm attracting more moths now. <laughs> and I know I'm not the only one. I know you guys have got to be going through this. This is just crazy. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, Baird T. Spalding. Set off on an expedition from the United States to the Himalaya Mountains. I think in India. Because um, the Himalaya Mountains, what they, they touch, they're also in Tibet. Maybe he went to Tibet. It's like India, Tibet, China are where the Himalaya Mountains are. So um, anyway, they set off for the uh, Tibetan, I think, Himalayan Mountains too. Meet the masters of light, the ascended masters there, that they had heard a rumor lived there. And they didn't know what they were going to find, but they thought, you know what? If they're there, we've got a burning desire to meet them. So he took 11 um, expeditioners with him. They're all scientists. And they all brought a bunch of notebooks so that they could fill the notebooks with their data, their research, what's going on. And so at any given point, I'm sure most of them were writing information down in their notebooks as they go along. And he came back and he actually published these books in 1894 and had gone on the expedition, I think like 11 years before or 15 years before. He literally said, I don't think the world was ready for it. I, I couldn't even publish it right away. Because this information is explosive information. Now, I mean, this is 1894 years after Jesus supposedly died. And now we're reading it 2020 years after Jesus supposedly died. But if Jesus is walking around, living, breathing, teaching at these banquets, and he's still going around healing the sick. 1800 years after his supposed death. I'm sure he's still there. And my higher guidance says, yes, I do muscle testing for that one. Got a yes. Jesus is still there. 
and they're all there. <laughs> Mother Mary, Mother of Jesus, she's she's there. But we're going to see who else is there. I think uh, Buddha's there. I mean, they're all there, all the ascended masters. They didn't die. They didn't leave. <laughs> they didn't go hop onto a spaceship and take off or go live on another planet. They're They're here. They're in the Himalayan mountains, hidden, just waiting for the rest of humanity to catch up. <clears throat> so where we left off last week, we were at chapter 6, so that's where we're going to start today. This is volume 2. If you're just tuning in to this, um, you might want to go back and hear volume 1, which I read every Monday last week year. So anyway, here we go. Um, after we were again seated, one of our party turned to email and asked if all could acquire the art of healing. Oh, you guys are going to have to forgive me. I keep doing this hot, cold thing. And then my breathing is, uh, it's just everything. Whew. I'm seeing, seeing her the jacket half on and half off right now. <laughs> it's just like, woo, we're getting so much solar wind right now. Speaking of healing. All right, here we go. Um, so he said the power to heal can be obtained only as we learn to trace things out from their source. Supremacy over every discord can come only in the degree that we understand that they do not come from God. So yeah, discord does not come from God. The divinity that shapes your destinies is not a mighty person molding you as a potter molds his clay, but a mighty divine power within and all around you and around and in all substance which is yours to use as you will. If you do not realize this, you cannot have confidence in yourselves. The greatest cure for inharmony is the knowledge that it is not from God and that God never did create it. The brain has the quality of receiving and recording the vibrations of any object that the eye conveys to it. The vibrations of the lights and shades and colors are all recorded. It also has the quality of reproducing these vibrations and projecting them out again, this time through the inner vision. Then we again see the picture the eye has conveyed. You are reproducing this in your camera every time you expose a sensitized plate. I think that's what cameras used to have. (laughs) Remember 1890s. Um, Cameras were kind of new, I think, back then. That plate receives and records the vibrations that the object you wish to photograph sends out. After the vibrations are received and recorded on the plate, you must fix the results on the plate if they are to become permanent so that you can see them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, now it's just like point and click digital camera on our phone. Like, 
life has really changed quite a bit <laughs> since the 1890s. It's kind of a trip. Okay. Like 137 years later or whatever. All right. Um, <clears throat> it will be only a short time before you will find that the movements and colors of the objects that you photograph can be recorded and projected by first fixing and then returning or projecting the lights and colors at the same rate of vibration at which they were received and fixed. It is the same with thought and word and act. Each selective set of brain cells takes up and records its corresponding set of vibrations. And when these vibrations are repeated and projected, they can be reproduced just as they took place. If the cells are held directly to their duty, there is also another set of selective brain cells that can receive record and fix the vibrations of thoughts, actions, motions, and pictures that other bodies or forms send out. These vibrations can again be reproduced and projected, and you can so arrange these cells that you can reproduce the words and motions of these bodies or objects and even the thoughts of those that send them out. Through these cells, you can assist others as well as yourself to control their thoughts. It is through these cells that accidents and calamities are brought about, such as wars, earthquakes, floods, fires, and all the trouble that mortal man is heir to. So someone either sees a thing happen or images it as happening. The corresponding vibration is fixed in the cells, sent out to be impressed on the corresponding cells of other brains and then projected back until the thing is so fixed that it happens. All these things can be avoided if the thought that sustains them is immediately withdrawn and the vibrations are not allowed to be fixed upon those brain cells so that those particular vibrations cannot be again projected. It is through this set of cells that all calamities are foretold. There is still another set of selective brain cells that receive, record, and fix the vibrations of the thoughts and activities of divine mind, wherein all the true vibrations are created and sent out. This divine mind, or God, pervades every substance and is always sending out divine and true vibrations, and if we hold these cells to their true office, we are able to receive and send out the same true and divine vibrations that we receive from divine mind. We do not have the divine mind, but we have the cells that receive and project the vibrations of the divine mind. There was a pause and deep silence. Then a picture appeared upon the wall of the room. It was still at first, but in a moment it became animated. And after the lapse of another moment, the scene began to change. Scenes that could represent those enacted in any or all of the more preposterous, I'm sorry, prosperous, sorry, not preposterous. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Oopsies. (laughs) 
Anyway, uh, scenes that could represent those enacted in any or all of the more prosperous business centers of the world came flooding in. Whoa. (laughs) Keep in mind the year. That's crazy. While they were changing very rapidly, there was sufficient time for us to recognize and name many familiar places. And one in particular, a reproduction of the scenes enacted when we landed in Calcutta in December, 1894. This was long before we had even heard of the cinema or motion picture. Yet these pictures depicted and brought out all the movements of human form and other objects. These pictures continued to pour in at intervals of about one minute's duration for nearly an hour. So the TikTok of yesteryear, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's another weird, I have this weird laugh that I just started doing like three days ago. I don't know. It's like, I swear, I swear I'm channeling a cartoon elf or something. <laughs> what? All right. Um, that was really, really trippy. Okay. While these pictures were passing, Emil said, these pictures represent the conditions that exist in the world today. You will note the air of general peace and prosperity that prevails over a greater portion of the earth. There is a reasonable amount of contentment. The people seem undisturbed and generally happy. But underneath there is a seething cauldron of discord. Well, that took a dark turn. (laughs) Uh, Generated by man's own ignorant thinking. There is hate, intrigue, and discord among nations. Men are beginning to visualize great military establishments, the like of which were never before known on earth. While we were doing everything in our power to bring out the good, our combined efforts will not be sufficient to sway those who are determined to rule in their own might. If they are able to perfect and launch their diabolical plans, and this we fully expect they will do, for people and nations are sleeping just when they should be awake and thinking, within a few years you will see enacted pictures like these. Then 10 or 12 war scenes came trooping by. They were scenes that we never dreamed could actually take place, and we gave them but little thought. Emil continued, We are hoping, um, almost against hope, that these can be averted. Time will tell, and these conditions are what we are hoping will prevail. Then scenes of beauty and peace beyond all description came trooping past. And Emil said, these are scenes which all of you will see enacted, but we wish you would, insofar as possible, put the second series of pictures out of your minds, as that will help us more than you think. It's like, shh, 
Why show it to them in the first place, man? (laughs) After a short pause, one of our party asked what the words Lord God implied. And Emil continued, The Lord God was used to designate the perfect being that the divine principle or God created to bring out his qualities here on earth. This being was created in the image and likeness of the divine principle and had access to and could use everything that the divine principle had. This being was given power and dominion over every condition that existed upon the earth. This being had all the potentialities of the divine principle and the power to bring them forth as long as he cooperated with the divine principle and developed the faculties that had been given him in the ideal way that the divine principle had planned or was holding in mind. This being was afterwards called Lord God, which meant expression in creative action or the law of God. This is the perfect being that the divine principle holds in mind for man to express. This is the divine and only man that the divine principle created. Man or the spiritual side of his nature has access to and can become this Lord God or one man. This divine man afterwards became known as the Christ. He had dominion over heaven and earth and all things therein. Then the Lord God using his power to create, did create other beings like unto himself. These beings were afterwards called sons of the Lord God and their creator was called father and the divine principle was called God. Have you guys ever heard of that being separated out? Like God is different than Lord God. Never in my life did I hear that. That's weird. And I swear, but I read these books before. And I also swear that sometimes the information in these books change. This is the first and second book I think I read twice because I read it and then years passed and I wanted to reread it to make sure I knew it. And just rereading it again, I'm still met with surprises. I mean, Mandela effect and all that, maybe. I got to tell a friend of mine this past weekend about the Mandela effect. I'll tell you guys about that in a little bit, but... um. He never heard of it. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, you're going to get lost on YouTube for like three or four days if I tell you this. Anyway, um, yeah, it's strange because some of these things I don't remember from this book before. And there's like five or six books I only read the first two before. And I think the second one I didn't get all the way through even. But, uh, all right, <clears throat> chapter seven. We had been occupied in this work for about two weeks when we went to the temple one morning and found our friend Chandersen, who had apparently died and been resurrected with not a vestige of old age about him. Well, that's if you're going to be resurrected, that's the best way. There was no mistaking him. As we came into the room, he arose and came forward with a hearty greeting and handshake. You can imagine our surprise as we gathered around and began to ask questions. We were like a gang of schoolboys turned loose, 
all attempting to ask questions at the same time. But the fact remained, there he was, with the unmistakable form and voice, but not with a trace of old age about him. Even the voice had regained the vibrant quality of middle age, and everything about him showed the quality of a well-developed life, buoyant and keenly alive. The expression of the eyes and face was far beyond anything that I could put into words. In the first few moments, we could do nothing but picture to ourselves the contrast. When we had first seen him, he was a decrepit old man, leaning on a long staff for support, with long snow-white locks, halting step and emaciated form. One of our party had remarked when we first met him, here we find among these great souls one so aged that he seems ready to pass to the great beyond. Of course, the transformation which we had witnessed just a few days previous had left its impression, but his sudden disappearance had rather taken him and the incident out of our minds, as we did not think we would ever see him again. It was more than a rejuvenation. I can compare it only to the transfiguration of the one we love and respect so dearly that soul was surely reborn judging from the contrast between his appearance the first time we met him and the way he looked this morning it is true that we had known him only a short time but we had been thrown in daily contact with him for a sufficient time to see and know that he was an old man He was with us for nearly two years after this, acting as our guide and interpreter across the great Gobi. Years after, when two or three of the party would meet and our experiences were recalled, the experience of that morning would be the first subject brought up. In recounting these events, I am not going to attempt to follow our whole conversation and record it word for word, for we consumed the greater part of two days in just talking, and I believe a detailed account would be a tedious reading. Therefore, in this instance, I shall only bring about only the main main points. I should bring out only the main points. After the first excitement had abated somewhat, we were seated and he began. As the body represents the lowest degree of thought activities so the spirit represents the highest thoughts of the divine mind as the body is the outer expression of the thought so the spirit is that in which the form takes its initial impulse direct from divine mind it is the immortal and real self in which reside all the potentialities of divine mind The thought atmosphere is a real, substantial thing and has in it all that makes the body. So many people consider the things that they cannot see as unsubstantial. And although they're told over and over that they cannot conceal themselves, they go right on believing that they can. 
Did Adam and Eve conceal themselves when they were hiding from the Lord or law of God? It is well for us to know the truth that we carry around with us, the open book of our lives, one of which all men read, whether we realize it or not. Some people are good thought readers while others are dull, but all can read a little and we cannot conceal ourselves. Also, our thought atmosphere is constantly precipitating its slowly cooling words on our body and there it is seen by all men. We can, with a little practice, feel the thought force of this atmosphere that surrounds us and gradually gain a realization of its existence as real as that of the outer world. I have learned that just as man may touch the earth with his feet, so on the wings of aspiration may he soar to celestial heights. Like those of old, he may walk the earth and talk with God, and the more he does so, the more difficult it will be for him to discover where universal life ends and where individual existence begins. When man forms an alliance with God through spiritual understanding, the boundary line between God and man disappears. When this point is reached, man will know what Jesus meant when he said, I and my father are one. The tendency to personalize all things has degraded that which is called the blessed Trinity into the impossible conception of three in one when it can be best understood as the omnipresence, omnipotence, omniscience of the universal mind, God. As long as men consider the blessed Trinity as three persons in one, and as something that must be accepted, even though it cannot be explained, they will dwell in the wilderness of superstition and thus of doubt and fear. If the triune nature of God is spiritual rather than physical, then the Trinity in man must be seen from a mental rather than from a material point of view. One of the wise philosophers has said, despising everything a wise man should strive after knowledge of self, for there is no knowledge that is higher or that brings more satisfaction of power than a knowledge of his own being. If a man knows his real self, he cannot do otherwise than discover his latent possibilities, his concealed powers, his dormant faculties. Of what avail if a man should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? His soul is his spiritual self, and if he truly discovers his spiritual self, he can build a whole world if he is serving his fellow men by so doing. I have learned that he who would attain the ultimate goal must search the depths of his real self, and there he will find God, the fullness of all good. It is because man is a trinity in unity, composed of spirit, soul, and body, that in a state of spiritual ignorance, he has the tendency to think on a level with the lowest degree of his nature, which is the physical. The ignorant man looks to his body 
for all the pleasure he gets. And there comes a time when he gets from the senses, all the pain he can stand. What he does not learn through wisdom, he must learn through woe. W-O-E, not like, whoa. (laughs) The way I said it was different. You know, he must learn through woe. (laughs) And after repeated experiences, he will not deny that wisdom is the better way. Jesus, Osiris, and Buddha said that with all our understanding, we must get wisdom. Thought operating on the plane of the intellectual raises the vibrations of the body to a point which corresponds to liquid. On this plane, thought is neither wholly material nor wholly spiritual. It is vibrating like a pendulum between materiality and spirituality. But there comes a time when one must choose, must choose which one he will serve. If he chooses materiality, a world of confusion and chaos awaits him. He may choose the spirit, and if he does so choose, he may ascend to the dome of the temple of God and man. This state of thought can be compared to the gaseous in matter, which is elastic and tends to expand indefinitely. God always leaves it for man to say whether he will control his fluidic stream of thought in the direction of those celestial heights, which bear him above the fog line of doubt, fear, sin, sickness, or let it sink to the sordid depths of the animal in man. If in thinking of man as a Trinity of spirit, mind, and body, we consider him principally from the standpoint of mind or soul, we shall see that he occupies a position between two great extremes of mental activity. The lower of which is the body, the higher the spirit. Mind is a connecting link between the visible and invisible. Operating on the plane of the senses, the mind becomes the seat of all the animal appetites and passions. It is the serpent in man's garden of Eden, which beguiles him into partaking of the poisoned fruit. When Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. He was not referring to the raising of his body on the cross but to the elevation of the soul or mind above sense delusions. Standing between spirit and body, though separated from neither, the soul or mind is capable of thinking even lower than the brute thinks. Or it may enter into conscious union with pure spirit where there is an abundance of peace purity and God power. 
When the Son of Man is lifted up to that realm in which he rises above the fallacies of the physical realm, he thinks and acts on the plane of pure intelligence. There he discriminates between those instincts which he shares with every other animal in those divine intuitions which he has in common with God. I have been shown that when man thinks on a plane with pure spirit, the soul enters consciously that realm wherein it perceives the ideal of things rather than the things themselves. It is no longer dependent upon the senses, but with clearer vision, it sees the broad horizons, grander view. It is here that truth is revealed by divine intelligence and speaks the inspiring and health giving message. When the son of man has been lifted from the depth of his material world and has been surrounded by pictures of tranquil beauty and refinement of the mental world. After time, he is seized with the healthy dissatisfaction and the ever upward urge of the soul bears him to higher realms. There he no longer sees the pictures of tranquility, but dwells in the land of tranquility surrounded by perpetual beauty. He has glimpsed the inner to, and to him that has become the all and the outer has become the inner. He lives in a world of causes where he, before he moved in a world of effects. The spirit of triune man is pure intelligence. That region of his being where neither sense testimony nor human opinion <laughs> has any weight against ascertained truth. It is the Christ within or the son of God and the son of man. The discovery of which sets at rest doubt and its discouragements. It is from this pinnacle of his being that man views all things with the clear vision of the educated soul. He beholds more things in heaven and upon earth than are dream, dreamed of in any philosophy. <laughs> uh, we're borrowing from Shakespeare, apparently. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that's what, that's what Hamlet said to Horatio, right? He said, there are more things in, in, in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Like, what? I was like, I, I've only memorized just a few handful of quotes from Shakespeare, and it's funny that I, that's the one I know. So anyway, he beholds more things in heaven and, and upon earth than are dreamed of in any philosophy. 
When he has learned that he is not body with a mind, which is ruled either from within or without, but that both can be made obedient servants to his real spiritual self. He has brought into expression that God given dominion with which he was originally endowed. Spirit is the supreme essence of man's being. It is never diseased and never unhappy. For as that great soul Emerson says, it is the finite that suffers. The infinite lies stretched in smiling repose. Job of your Bible told you that man was spirit and the breath of the almighty gave him life. It is indeed the spirit in man, which gives life and that spirit rules his lower activities. Spirit issues commands with authority and all things become subordinate to righteous rule. A new era wrapped in the garment of approaching day is dawning in the hearts of men and soon again will the virgin spirit of God shine forth from the heart and the door again will open by which all who may find entrance to a larger and fuller life young vibrant and with perennial youth and hope and endeavor, the soul of man stands on the threshold of a new era, more glorious than any other that has brightened the sky since creation's dawn. The star of Bethlehem shone brighter at Jesus's birth than it had before, but soon its brightness will be like a noonday sun, for this new light foretells the day when the Christ is born in the hearts of all men. Well, that's interesting. That's the end of the chapter. So I think we're going to stop there because the next chapter, Oh, I actually, we don't have to. The next chapter is a little bit, It's not terribly long. So let's do the next chapter. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead, Elena. Chapter eight. The next morning, Chandersen continued his talk. I have been shown beyond a question of doubt that the human intelligence can be transmuted into divine intelligence. As this was made plain to me, I found that I could enter the kingdom of God and that kingdom was right within. Now I know that God is the only power, omnipresent, omniscient, and that sin, discord, sickness, old age, and death belong only to a past experience. I now perceive the reality and know that I had been lost in the mist of illusion. 
time and space have completely disappeared. And I know that I now dwell in the subjective and that it belongs to the objective world. Had it been possible for me to have held to the promptings and the glimpses, the finer senses have revealed from time to time, how many weary and anxious hours would I have been saved? While in youth, I, like the greater portion of humanity, decided that there was but one life to live. And that was the gratification of self in every way. So I determined to get the most out of that life. I made self-seeking the principal aim in life. And I gave the animal passions full sway. Hey! (laughs) With the result that I dissipated the life fluids of my body until it was but the empty shell that you first saw. Oh, womp womp. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, baby. Oh yeah. Right. That old chestnut. No pun intended. (laughs) All right. So he says, let me bring forth a picture that will more graphically illustrate my thoughts. Oh no. Thank you. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) I think you were pretty graphic enough, Chanderson. (laughs) All right, let's get back into the. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. He sat silent for a moment, and a picture like those already described appeared upon one wall of the room. This was the picture of himself as we had seen him a short while ago, short time ago. It was that of an old man tottering about, tottering along, leaning on his wooden staff. No pun intended. (laughs) Following this was the likeness of the man as he appeared this morning. He continued, the first represents the one who has dissipated the energies and life fluids of his body until nothing but the empty shell remains. The other one represents the one who has conserved his energies and the vital life fluids within his body. You look upon this in my case as a complete and entire rejuvenation, which is true, but I look at it from another angle. How many could be as fortunate as I was to have the help, sympathy, and assistance of those dear ones as I have had? In order that you may get my thought, let us follow the life of a person from birth to the end as so many look upon death. The child is born. It is unconscious of the life-carrying fluids which course through its body as they are inactive because the organs that generate life fluids are inactive and not yet developed during this stage of development. If the child is normal, it's beautiful, active and bubbling over with life. 
The life fluids are built up stronger and stronger until the child reaches the stage of development where the life fluids are active and they may be dissipated. If this dissipation takes place in a few years, the child begins to show age. The eyes lose their luster, the body, its activity and grace. The features become set in a few more years. The brain loses its power of coordination with the muscles and the body is that of a decrepit old man or woman, but the empty shell of the former self. Then take the person who has conserved all of the life fluids and allowed them to circulate in their natural course through the body and see how strong and vigorous that one is. Should that one go on always conserving the life fluids, even though he did not perceive any higher idea of life than to be born, live a short time upon the earth and pass on, the span of that life would be extended from three to four times that of a person who has dissipated the life fluids. If he does perceive that there is a greater scheme in God's plan for him, he will at all times conserve the life fluids in the body as soon as he soon finds that they are a necessary adjunct for perfect development. It was only a short time ago that your learned men began to know of the delicate system of arteries and veins composing the circulatory system of your bodies. It is still left for them to determine that there is far more delicate and subtle circulatory system throughout the body, which carries the life force to every atom. Um, wow. They still haven't discovered that as far as I know, guys. Wow. Through your nervous system, this life force is sent to a set of cells in the brain. These cells in turn, act as a distributor for the force and it is sent out to every atom of the body along the nerves for which it has an affinity. It also acts as a protection for the nerves. If the life force is dissipated, the cells become set and cannot change for the new cells that are formed to take their place and the new cells are thrown off instead of the old ones, which gradually decompose and die. If the life force is conserved, the cells change as readily as 500 years as a 10, as at 10. Um, wow. It will be found that when all the life force is conserved, the body can be so charged with life that you can speak life into all forms. You can paint a picture, model a statue, or take any of your handiwork that expresses your ideal and breathe the breath of life into it. And it will become alive. It will speak to you and others who can see the life inspiration that you have spoken into it. And it will be active because you, the Lord God of you has spoken and it is as he wills. But those forms will not assume the human unless you carry them to the God life. If you do not give them life, you must carry them through to the pure God life. Then they are perfect forms. 
as you are perfect and you have fulfilled your responsibility. This you will find is true genius. All right, guys. So quickly, if you haven't heard this episode, go back to season one in the first like three or four months, look up our teddy bears alive. That was a lesson that grandma Marion taught me on how to literally create a living thing. And I could still do it to this day. You can make your teddy bears alive and they will have conversations with you. It's a real thing. And I just read it in this book. I can't believe it. Okay, let's go on. (laughs) There is one vital error that I wish to point out. The genius, as you consider him, as he begins to develop, has consciously or unconsciously acquired the ability to conserve and send the life forces in their purity through their natural channels. This condition has animated his body and the creative faculty, and he sees that there is something higher for him to express than the ordinary. While he conserves the life forces and gives them free reign, he will go on to more and more glorious achievements. But if he allows sex lust to creep in, he quickly loses his creative power. The body has been first built upon or built up by conserving the life forces until the cells are of a finer texture than the lower order of a person who has dissipated the life force. By this time, the genius has risen to fame and not having developed his deeper perceptive or God power is carried away by self glory. He forsakes his guiding light because he has not been fully awakened in the urge for greater excitement. He begins to dissipate the life forces and quickly loses all power. For if man does raise his thought above the animal passions and conserves the life forces until the body has begun to take on the finer texture, then allows himself to fall back. He will go back much more rapidly than one that has not been thus awakened. When one has been awakened so that he will conserve all the life forces and then let them be distributed to the nerves in the natural way. Then let them go coursing along the nerves to every atom of the body without deforming it with thoughts of sex, lust, or passion. The exhilaration will be permanent and the sensation will far transcend that of sex. The serpent will be lifted up and will need to crawl on its belly through the murk and the mire of lust and passion. If man could understand that this life fluid is many times more vital than a corresponding amount of pure blood, he would conserve it instead of dissipate it. But he shuts his eyes to this fact. He may be entirely ignorant of it and goes on either in blindness or ignorance until the reaper arrives. (laughs) I love when my name gets mentioned. (laughs) Then a whale goes up for he does not admire that harvest. (laughs) 
You look upon old age with veneration and snow white locks as a crown of honor, which I would not detract from in any way. But as you look upon the picture, I leave it for you to decide which is the more to be honored. He with snow white locks who has by ignorance or direct perversity brought decrepitude upon himself or the one who in maturity becomes more vital, strong and better equipped to meet the advancing years. And because of them is more kind and generous. I recognize that the one who reaches the end through ignorance is to be pitied while the one who knows the, and reaches the same end is unspeakable. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. We'll, we'll come back next week on Monday with chapter nine. So <laughs> there you have it. That's pretty intense, man. I did not know we were going to go through these things. This is cool. One thing weird happened this weekend. I forgot to mention my, um, my friend Laron called me. Okay. Here's his story, his version of things. He called me and we had a conversation and during that conversation, he decided to go to a bar and meet a friend or two. And then he was going to call me back. And then he didn't call me till eight 30 in the morning because he was worried about another friend of his and he couldn't sleep because of all the energies happening. That's his version of events. What happened to me is he never called me at night and in the morning he called me at eight 30 in the morning. And I thought, I'm not going to answer that. I'm half asleep still. And so when I woke up <laughs> later the next day, I said, Hey, I wrote to him. I said, Hey, I just woke up. Sorry. I couldn't pick up. And he's like, but we, and he called me. He's like, but we talked, we talked last night. We talked this morning again. I want to continue that conversation. I'm like, we did not talk. And we argued for like two hours because he swore up and down. He, he, he heard my voice. He called me. We had a conversation. I'm like, you never talked to me. And I think you're coming from a different timeline in which you talked to me, but I'm going to prove it to you right now. And I sent him the WhatsApp proof of the calls and of the, um, chat and all the calls I've gotten, not just from him, but all the calls I've gotten in the past week. And he was blown away. He's like, but we talked. And I'm like, but we didn't. I said, look on your phone and prove to me that we talked. Cause I just proved to you that we didn't. And he's still worded out by it. <laughs> he's like, but of course we talked. He's like, do you think I'm just hallucinating? I'm like, no. And then some of the stuff he told me that we talked about, we talked about a week ago because they already happened a week ago. And I remember them. And then some of the things didn't happen. So of course I don't remember them anyway. That's another weird thing that happened this weekend. I wanted to just bring that up really quick <laughs> because it's just one of those weird things. When I said confusion, mental confusion is an ascension symptom, but also I think timelines are collapsing at this point. So if you have a different memory than someone in your, you know, in your life, don't argue with them and say they're dumb or they're crazy or they're going feeble minded. 
It's probably not dementia, it's ascension symptoms. And also timeline collapsing as we move closer to the one will (laughs) in ascension. So with that thought, I love each and every one of you. Thank you for your continued faith and confidence in me and myself and my abilities and in the show for liking and subscribing and sharing and telling all your like-minded friends. I'll be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. Until then, I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Till next time, guys. Peace. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.